Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Feelings of emptiness, loneliness, hopelessness, and meaninglessness are fostered by our belief in a spiritless universe. What if our physical hunger is actually a symptom of far greater spiritual hunger? What if spirit is actually all around us, ready to fill us with energy, hope, and direction if we're ready to cooperate? And what if spiritual energy is like air and water, readily available for us to draw within if we choose to seek it? How much of you is a skeptic? Have you ever even considered that you might be skeptical? How often do you rely on spirit to pull you out of the dark times or the challenging times, but then the rest of the time it's not a necessary part of your world? I'm really excited to have a conversation today with an amazing gentleman that is doing tremendous research in the world. We are going to discuss the sacred promise, how science is discovering spirit's collaboration with us in our daily lives. And Dr. Gary Schwartz is leading this discovery with his amazing body of work that he is constantly moving forward on. It's inspirational because he has such a passion that he brings to science and spirit, and he's bringing it together at a time when science really is starting starting to stop and take notice, when even quantum physicists are starting to realize that there's more going on than uh, the actual physical world that we are experiencing. All religions and spiritual aspirations are based on a covenant, the existence of God or spiritual force from which we came and to which we return, and that there's a willingness from it to help and guide us all the time. Dr. Gary Schwartz sets out to scientifically prove that premise, to literally invite angels and spirit guides into his laboratory to prove their existence and honor their covenant with us. And that's just amazing because oftentimes we don't find scientists that are really willing to be that courageous and jump full force into a field that so many other people want to stay away from. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Dr. Gary Schwartz to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome, Gary. Thank you so much for... For having me, and I must confess, a lot of people have introduced me over the years, but your introduction, the introduction for this work, is really phenomenal. I think you should write all the material for me from now on. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, you know, I got really moved by the book because when I was reading it, it made me pause to say, you know, we, we want to look outside and say that there are skeptics out there that are wanting to challenge this thought that maybe divinity rests there waiting to assist us. But then, you know, if that's outside of us, then that means that also exists within each every one of us. 
And I started to question, you know, how much of each of my listeners or how much of myself does go towards more of the skeptic. And, and I know that your work is to prove that spirit is there and available to us, but I think so often we fall into the habit of trying to prove that we can do it on our own and that we don't need spirit's help all the time. So I'm really happy to have this conversation. And I'd like for people to understand what really prompted you uh, to, to start your discovery in this work, even with some of your other amazing books, because I know you've written uh, The God Experiments and The Afterlife Experiments. But what started your work and why The Sacred Promise? Um, wonderful questions. And let me first preface this by saying that I'm actually not trying to prove this. You know, people ask me, they say, for example, are you trying to prove uh, life after death or a greater spiritual reality? What I say is absolutely not. What I'm trying to do is to give survival of consciousness or a greater spiritual reality or the, you know, a spiritual force. Force, uh, force if it exists, the opportunity to prove itself. You see that the responsibility of a true scientist is not to prove or disprove a particular belief or even theory. I think the first and foremost of, uh, responsibility is to provide the optimal conditions to discover a genuine phenomena if it's real and, and, and be um, uh, dispassionate about, the, about what reality is. In other words, let reality teach us and follow in that direction. And so consequently, the, uh, although uh, I've obviously been forced by the data to come to the conclusion that there appears to be a greater spiritual reality and it's playing a, a fundamental role in our individual and collective lives, I've come there as a, uh, not as skeptic as in a disbeliever, but as in a questioning, wondering um, scientist. Uh, and that might also help some of your listeners for, you know, who sort of wonder, well, how, you know, how could I have gotten into this work, and you know, and what does the sacred promise mean? So I'll briefly tell you how I got started in all of this. It actually it began partly with science, and partly with um, uh, some personal experiences. The scientific side, briefly, was that I have a background in physics and in engineering, and when I was a professor at Yale, I was really fascinated and continue to be fascinated with the nature of light. And one of the things that dawned on me is, you know, when we look up at the sky at night, and if it's, uh, we're out in the country and uh, there are no clouds, no moon, we can see hundreds of thousands of stars with the naked eye. And with a telescope, we can see billions of stars and billions of galaxies. And all that light's been traveling for millions and billions of years. Um, and even long after the star has, quote, died, that energy information is still there. And if it wasn't preserved accurately in the, quote, vacuum of space, we wouldn't have any astrophysics. We'd look at the sky at night. We'd see mush, but we don't see mush. We see a preservation of information and energy in the form of these, quote, massless, uh, infinitely small, yet distributed things which we call photons, which, by the way, sounds very much like, quote, spirit. Mm-hmm. And I began to, you know, in light of what quantum, you know, E equals MC squared, uh, you know, Einstein's theory and about that we're dealing with, that what we call matter is really organized energy, I began to wonder, what well, was our light? You know, we're constantly emitting light and radiation of all sorts out into, quote, this, into space. In fact, we now have spy satellites that can see us out there as well. So we're like little suns. And I began to wonder, was our essence, our energy and information like the light from distant stars, was it continuing long after the star had died? So part of this was science, 
But the other part was personal. I then ended up meeting um, a series of, actually, they were all women, um, each of whom had lost someone they dearly loved, and um, they wanted to know if their loved one was still here. Um, probably the most influential, which is a woman that I, I discuss at great length in, in the book The Sacred Promise, was a woman by the name of Susie Smith, who when I met her, she, had been, she was 85 years old. She had then published 29 books in the field of parapsychology and life after death. And Susie was a champion for this kind of work, and she had come to the conclusion that her mother, who had died 40 years earlier, was still in almost uh, you know, nightly contact with her. But she wanted to know scientifically, you know, was her, um, could it be that her, her mother was still here? So anyway, I was, I was, I was pushed there by science, by, by theory and emerging data, but I was pulled by love, for example, by Susie's love for her, uh, for her mother or Stardust Johnson's love for her husband. And when you're pushed and pulled in the same direction, it's very hard to resist. So that's how I started. It was Well, and isn't that how it kind of works for all of us? Because when we talk about the skeptic and we talk about the curiosity, part of the journey as a human being is to really wonder how we got here, where we're, where we're going, what does it all mean, and, you know, is there that connection to something beyond our own physical death? And, and to, to wonder why the things happen in life that they do. And so to be called and pulled by love is that, conversation still begging to happen it's almost as if that's spirit's guidance saying come with me and talk to me and let me show you and you talk about the proof of concept book is uh it's an urgent call to action for us to listen and watch more closely for spirit's invitation to collaborate and i think that's what we each desire we want to collaborate with something that we see as greater than ourselves not realizing that it is ourself as well Yes, in fact, the you know the subtitle to the to the God Experiments book was how science is discovering God in everything, including us. Um, and the it's interesting. I want to sidebar for a second, if I might. Um, your radio show is called Eleven Eleven, right? Yes. And how did it get that name? Well, uh, interestingly enough, you know, it was through Spirit's guidance. This was literally dropped into my head. I got promptings of these numbers. It was a communication that occurred for a very long time. So, you know, a lot of the stories throughout your book of people having experiences and you having experiences really resonated because I've experienced it in my own life. I gotcha. As you know, one of the core aspects of the Sacred Promise book is the notion that we can all be scientists in the living laboratories of our own lives. I call it self-science. And the better scientists we become in our personal lives, the more we're able to actually, that, those tools will actually take us, to, take us to spirit. The reason why I'm smiling is because in Appendix C of the God Experiments book, I shared probably the most uh, important single set of events that transformed me from being uh, essentially raised as an atheist and believing it was ashes to ashes, dust to dust, case closed, um, to becoming one who was forced by the data to, to see that we, uh, that we could be living in something that was interconnecting all of us and playing a guiding role in our lives. And it began with the number 11. I would like for you to tell us that story as soon as we come back from this commercial break because I know it's going to be fascinating. Everything that has to do with 11s is fascinating. I am with Dr. Gary Schwartz. He is 
um, talking a lot about spirit and a lot about our connection. And we're going mostly into the Sacred Promise, which actually released on January 1 of 11. So there's those 11s all over again. It, it is how science is discovering spirit's collaboration with us in our daily lives. Either spirit exists or it does not, and either spirit is here helping us to direct this work or it is not. Either spirit is calling upon us to wake up, to discover our true identity and reality, and to join with it to heal, grow, and transform, or it is not. Welcome to the laboratory of Dr. Gary Schwartz, where through experiments and research, he scientifically records the existence of spirit by its willful intent and unveils the world of angels and spirits and their innate desire to help us from the other side. Gary Schwartz reveals the tangible commitment that Spirit World has made to partner with each and every human being to solve our personal and societal problems, and the sacred promise illuminates Spirit's vow to help humanity rediscover its fundamental spiritual nature and work collaboratively with us to solve the pressing global issues we face today. You can connect with Gary Schwartz at drgaryschwartz.com. That's D-R-Gary-Schwartz, S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z.com, and we'll be right back with more of this exciting conversation. online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. 
Awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. If many of our greatest problems directly or indirectly stem from our false belief in the spiritless universe, then it seems high time that we reexamine our potentially erroneous belief and do the necessary science to get a clear answer one way or another. Dr. Gary Schwartz calls that self-science. What do you think? Can you imagine asking spirit to assist you with your health or economic crisis right now or to heal the break with your mother or a health issue or to protect your child in the military? Think about it. Just asking may not be enough. You may have to believe and be open to it. And for most of us, that means show me. And that's part of the reason that Dr. Schwartz wrote this book. He wanted to give us an understanding that there's a conversation, there's a collaboration, there's a constant communication, that spirit is happening with us all of the time. But we have to be open to it. Only you live in your body, and only I live in mine. Only you make the choice of breathing more deeply, drinking more water, eating less food, drinking less alcohol, and inviting spirit to be an integral part of your life. And the same applies to me, and this is exactly what Dr. Schwartz says in his book, The Sacred Promise, How Science is Discovering Spirit's Collaboration with Us in Our Daily Lives. Gary, we were talking about your experience with Eleven when we left the last segment, and I'd love for you to share that story because Eleven is a master number, and a lot of people, when they're waking up to a spiritual path or when they're having a a really powerful event that is going to open their eyes or open the doors, it is the 11s that show up first, so I'd love to hear it. Wow. Okay, by the way, I'm going to preface this by saying that it was very astute that you noticed that the book ended up being published on January 11th, 2011. That's, that's a, a num- you know, many 11s. And what was really odd was that it wasn't, really, it wasn't scheduled to be published on that date. It was originally scheduled to be published in November, and then something happened with the publisher, and it ended up being published on the date which started me on this whole journey of the, of the greater spiritual reality. So here's the brief story. I was a professor at Yale, and I began to notice an anomaly with the number 11. Now, I'm very mathematically, statistically inclined. And, for example, my office was room 1A, and, of course, there's 1, and A is the first letter of the alphabet. I was, on, uh, it was off of Kirtland, um, um, uh, Avenue, but the way, they were, uh, the way they had it printed, it, it was 11 letters. I had to take Route 1A literally to get to go home, which again was 11, and it was Exit 56 where I got onto Route <laughs> A, which added up to 11. The house number was 326 Colonial Road. 326 added up to 11. My there were 11 you letters are afflicted. in the state yes. of Connecticut. <laughs> if you took my phone number and you added it up, the numbers added up to 11. And even more amazingly, again, at, at this time, if you took the letters of the alphabet, then, then converted them to numbers, and then added them up with the numbers of my license plate, it all came down to 11. So it became clear to me, especially in, in talking to many other people, that there were too many 11s in my life. <laughs> but I couldn't make any sense of it. 
And then independently of that, seemingly independently of that, a black um, African-American medical student came to me. It was his fourth year. And in Yale, students are required to do, uh, MDs are required to do a dissertation. Now, no, it's not the kind level of a dissertation that uh, a PhD student has to do, but it's still an, uh, an individual piece of work. And um, he came to me wanting to do a dissertation on the integration of quantum physics, acupuncture, and ancient African-American philosophy. Now, I knew a fair amount about quantum physics. I knew next to nothing about acupuncture then, and I knew absolutely nothing about black philosophy. But I said if he was willing to meet with me and just educate me as he was doing this, I agreed. So we did. And after a few weeks, he said, you know, Gary, he said, every now and again you say things that are prophetic. And I said, what? He says, yes. He says, you say things that are, when you, particularly when you talk about systems theory, that comes right out of the Kabbalah. Mm. And I, I said, the Kabbalah? He said, no, the Kabbalah. I said, what's that? He said, ancient uh, Jewish secret mysticism. You have to remember, this is the early 1980s, I, and I didn't know, and a lot of people didn't know anything about the, uh, the Kabbalah. And, 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 I, and I'm saying, I'm saying stuff that's coming out of ancient Jewish mysticism, and I was raised as a as an ultra-reform Jewish person in an all-Christian community. So I said, well, is there any way that I can learn about this? And he said, well, actually there is. He said, they're beginning to publish books in English. And if you go to New York, you'll be able to find some. So I, that weekend, I drove to Manhattan, to Fifth Avenue, to Scripter's bookstore. And sure enough, there were, there were a few books, maybe three in those days, that were available in English. One of them was called Kabbalah for the Layman. I said, I'm a layman. So I bought the book <laughs> by Rabbi Berg, his name was. And as I'm reading this book, I came to understand what he was seeing. Because what, what these Kabbalists were doing in, in their era is that they were using certain premises, cognitive premises about the way that the universe was organized. And in systems terms, for example, it's, it's called from the micro to the macro, where you get a recapitulation of information or form that occur at different levels. So that they see the tree of life, for example, as being manifest at many different levels from the micro to the macro, and in general systems terms, they do the same thing. And I realized that these system scientists, of which I identified with, and Kabbalists were using the same underlying premise. But also in this book, there was a chapter on something called numerology. Of course, mm -hmm. I had never heard of numerology. And then they that in this... Uh, this numerology, what they do is they take, they take letters of the Hebrew alphabet, and then they would add them up after they gave them the appropriate numbers, and they would produce, you know, go down to the final digits, except for certain numbers like 11 and 22. And they said, The master numbers. Yes. Well, of course, I didn't know what that meant at the time. And they said this was a very important number. Well, I couldn't believe this. Was it possible that I had, you know, inadvertently, quote, rediscovered? Uh, this uh, this kind of process, and what would that mean about me? So I decided I wanted to learn about the Kabbalah. And I told my then wife um, that I really wanted to do this, and she said, absolutely not. She said, you can't do this. You're a professor of psychology and psychiatry at Yale University. You're director of the Yale Psychophysiology Center. You're co-director of the Yale Behavioral Medicine Clinic. You can't start learning this weird stuff. You can't. And I realized that politically she was correct. And so I was, so I was actually heartbroken. I mean, how was I going to learn about this, which seems so important here? I am surrounded by this statistical anomaly. 
And then something really, really weird happened. Do you have another couple of minutes? So I can oh, sure, that? yes. Go ahead. Because it's an honor to be able to share this. What happened was we were on, um, I think it was, it was, I think it was 65th Street, but it could have been 56th Street. I can't remember. The important thing is that it added up to 11. It was at the Shunley West Restaurant, which had 11 letters, um, one of our favorite restaurants. We, this was on a Saturday afternoon. We were going to be going to the Metropolitan Opera. And I'm busy thinking about, hold on, I have to change phones. I'm busy thinking about the fact that there is a, uh, about the number 11, about how am I going to stay connected to this if I'm not allowed to study it. Of course, I'm not telling her this. This is just in the back of my mind. And in my head, this is the first time I ever did this, I asked in my head, I would now say the universe, I said, how am I going to stay connected to all of this if I'm not allowed to study it? And what pops into my head is the thought, get a cardigan Welsh corgi. Now, that's a ridiculous thing. What does that mean? Well, it turned out, as soon as I heard it, it began to make sense. First of all, we had what's called a Pembroke Welsh Corgi. And by the, by the way, the queen at that time, she had 11 Pembroke Welsh Corgis. <laughs> and a Cardigan Welsh Corgi is, is, a Pembroke, is like a Pembroke Welsh Corgi, only it's slightly bigger and it has a long tail. They are extraordinarily rare. You almost never see them. And cardigan, and by the way, the letter K, which how Kabbalah is spelled, is the eleventh letter of the alphabet. But Kabbalah is also spelled with a C, and uh, C is the third letter of the alphabet. But in binary, that's one one, which is eleven. I did the mathematics about cardigan Welsh corgi in my head, and I said, "Wow, maybe I could we could get a a a friend for our Pembroke, whose name was Thurber, because she was going to be going back to work, and I, and this would be a way that I could remember it." So I said innocently uh, to my wife, I said, hey, listen, I think it just popped into my head. You know, our dog is going to be lonely when you go back to work. I said, how about if we got him a friend and we got him a Cardigan Welsh Corgi? By the way, Cardigan Welsh Corgis tend to be more, more friendly and less hyper than the Pembrokes. She says, what a wonderful idea. She says, why don't we adopt an older one? And I'm saying to myself, but how are we going to, how, how are we going to find one? And she says, don't worry, because remember, this is before the Internet. She said, don't worry. She said, I'm sure there's some sort of cardigan uh, corgi club, and we'll track it down. So now I'm excited. Of course, I can't tell her why. We have a plan. So anyway, we leave the restaurant, and we're, we get some yogurt. And I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm dressed in a sport jacket and a tie. And we're crossing the intersection between Broadway and 8th Avenue, I think it was, or something like that. And... Jeannie points down and says, she says, is that a cardigan Welsh corgi? And I looked down, and there's the funniest-looking dog I ever saw. <laughs> it had one brown eye, one blue eye. The, I think the brown eye was sort of cut in half, and it was all white on the other side. It was called a fluffy, so it was really sort of a lot of fur. It's wagging its tail. And, of course, I can't believe this. What's the probability of bumping into a cardigan Welsh corgi in the middle of New York after having had being in a restaurant filled with 11s, and you're trying to stay connected to numerology and the Kabbalah. So I get down on my hands and knees, and I'm now feeding this dog my yogurt. And I, tell, and I look up at this woman. I said, don't worry. I said, I said I'm, a, uh, I'm safe. You know, I'm a professor at Yale and so on and so forth. I said, but, I said you have to believe this. We were just talking about our Pembroke Wells Corgi and how we, we think we'd like to get a friend for him and maybe someday rescue or, you know, or adopt an older dog. And tears well up in her eyes. Ah. Uh. And she says, I think my prayers have been answered. And I'm looking up and say, what? 
she says, yes, she says, I'm actually an assistant coach at the Lincoln Center. Of course, she didn't know we were going to Lincoln Center. She said, um, uh, she said uh, my husband and I are getting a divorce. He's keeping the farm in, in Connecticut. I'm keeping our apartment, which happened to be on 83rd Street, if I remember correctly. And uh, anyway, she said, um, uh, uh, and I've been unable to find a home for Willie. She said, would you be interested and that's how synchronicity works. It falls into our lives, and that is the playing that the universe is having with us, that divinity is having with us. And for you and for me and for millions of other around the world, the 11s or the 22s are that open doorway that, uh, that shows up for us. So I, it, it's a fascinating story, and I think that just brings more credibility that there's patterns in our lives, that this is part of that self-science you speak about. That, exactly. That By the way, in the area of synchronicity, nobody can do the science for us. We That's have to it. collect the data ourselves. We have to be willing to track it. We need to be to carefully record it. We need to then to, to look for patterns and not be afraid to be creative and open to see what's being revealed. Let's talk more about synchronicity after this commercial break. I am with Dr. Gary Schwartz today, and we are talking about the sacred promise and how science is discovering spirit's collaboration with us in our daily lives, how that conversation is constantly happening. Gary Schwartz is a professor of psychology, medicine, neurology, psychiatry, and surgery at the University of Arizona and director of its laboratory for advances in consciousness and health. He is also corporate director of development of energy healing for Canyon Ranch Resorts and the author of several books, including The Afterlife Experiments, The God Experiments, The Truth About Medium, The Energy Healing Experiments, and the co-author of The Living Energy Universe. And definitely go out and get your copy of The Sacred Promise. There's a reason that the universe guided it to release on one one eleven, and there's a reason that you are listening to it today on the, uh, on the first day of September which is uh, 9-1, which is a 10, and then you have the 2011. So it adds up to some powerful numbers. You can connect with Gary Schwartz at drgaryschwartz.com. We'll be right back with a little bit more on this fabulous conversation. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. Who are you? Why are you here? Where are you going? If you're searching for the answers to these and other spiritual questions, you can look within and you can tune into The Open Door. Our program will expand your awareness of the teachings of the Ascended Masters, offer you practical tools that promote self-mastery and personal freedom, and provide an unerring pathway for graduating from Earth Schoolroom via the Ascension. The Open Door with hosts Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher is broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Experience your spiritual journey every week on Synergy with Makila. She's known as the Magician of Light and invites you to come along as we co-create a magical place of accelerated personal and planetary spiritual involvement. Tune in for tools, tips, and support for embracing and embodying the notions that we are all sparks of the divine and that we are all one. 
Tune in to Synergy with Makila every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Working together, we can bring more joy into our lives and the world. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. If spirit is not only with us, but is calling us to wake up and see the light, then if ever there was a time for us to get off our collective duff and get to work, it's now. That's what Dr. Gary Schwartz would like to tell you. The spirits are awaiting our active collaboration with them, and they're providing us conversation, synchronicity, and messages all over the place if we're just willing to do the self-science necessary, if we're just willing to be open enough to know that we're not alone, that we have availability of healing, of, of the intent of spirit, of the connection to spirit around us at all times. The scientific study and evidence of spirit is ours when we delve into it, and that is much of what the sacred promise is about. There are many stories and recollections and experiences that help to allow you the proof that spirit is working in many people's lives and also give you a resonance so that you can see that spirit is working in yours. My guest today is Dr. Gary Schwartz, and you can connect with him at drgaryschwartz.com. Definitely look at many of his amazing books that he has. Go to his website and see all of the things that he's doing, but give yourself an opportunity to understand the sacred promise that divinity is having and is in collaboration with you. Gary, a lot of people have questions, um, and, and we talked about that synchronicity mm-hmm. and how it occurs, and, and many people just kind of pass it off as, oh, yeah. well, that was just a coincidence, or that just right. happened. And in, in a sense, that is part of that skepticism or discounting that we do Absolutely. until we get to that very painful place that we're down on our knees saying, okay, now help me. So how do we get in front of that bus rather than at the back of it? What a great question. I think that, first of all, um, unless we're absolutely forced to, um, to if, open our eyes and look up for our, from our lives, as James Taylor puts it in a beautiful song about, about skepticism, and, and, and awakening. 
is that we we have to be we have to actually be willing to follow the data and face the truth of the evidence. So rather than denying it, even though it may seem crazy, it may make us even feel like we're crazy, we need to be able to be open to it, and then we have to allow ourselves to have these moments. I'll give an example from an account I give in the book, which illustrates how you can even discover that how spirit can be playing a role in, in contributing to the coordination of synchronicities. So, for example, I tell a story about how this woman, Susie Smith, who after she died, um, ended up participating in multiple controlled experiments in the laboratory, and how I was going off for a lecture series in California, and it was early in the morning, and I was checking my email, and there was an email from a medium who in the book I called Joan, who had been receiving many, multiple um, uh, days and days of of, of uh, it was actually over months of communication that we then verified, and every now and again she'd spontaneously email, and, and she said, she said she's Susie's showing up today, and she's telling me something about a dragonfly. She's saying dragonfly is very important, and she's reminding me of the movie Dragonfly, and she's telling me you're going to be meeting somebody very important related to the work. Now, I'm saying where does that come from? Dragonfly, supposedly from my uh, my adopted grandmother, Susie so became my quote adopted grandmother. She used to call me her illegitimate grandson. <laughs> and as Susie was fond of saying, she couldn't wait to die so she could prove that she was still here. Um, and anyway, here was this spontaneous message. I'm saying, okay, who am I going to see be seeing in California that might be um, related to, to, to the work? And I said, you know, I am going to be meeting somebody who's sort of well-known. And um, I wonder if uh, I was thinking about the movie Dragonfly. And by the way, I had seen the movie Dragonfly, and I loved it. It's a deeply spiritual movie. And if any of your listeners haven't seen it, uh, it's, it's really worth seeing. And it has to do with, by the way, among other things, near-death out-of-body experiences in, of, uh, in children and how they were allegedly receiving messages um, about the, this physician's uh, deceased loved one. And I thought it was just fantasy at the time, and we'll get back to this momentarily, but the music was gorgeous. Mm. And anyway, I was going to be meeting, and I had never met a, a person who was a, actually a composer of, of movies. Um, and he had read the book, The Afterlife Experiments, and then followed some of it up. And while I was going to be there, I was going to meet with him. And I said, I wonder, uh, but I never looked him up on the Internet. So I went to his website after getting this email, and I looked it up, and sure enough, what did I discover? Among the many movies he wrote music for, he wrote the music for Dragonfly. Mm. So now I'm meeting this person. Think about this. Who is going to be, who wrote the music for a movie that I absolutely adored, whose music I adored, and I learned about it through my adopted grandmother. So I emailed Joan and him, telling him about the synchronicity. Well, I then went out to the mailbox. And I, in those days, I would only pick up the mail once a week or so because, uh, in preparation to make sure there were no bills I had to pay before I would leave. I go out to the mailbox, and in the mailbox is this, uh, this gold bubble-wrapped package. Um, and I pull it out of the mailbox, and, and I said, what's this? And I go into the house, and it turns out it was from John Debney, the composer. And it turned out that he had surprised me and, and sent me, in preparation for our meeting, a collection of some of his CDs. One of the CDs that was in that movie was Dragonfly. The Dragonfly, yeah. So now I could put the, the CD on. And, of course, you can imagine the tears are rolling down my face. I'm saying, what's the odds of the timing of all of this? 
So I then emailed the two of them and told them about the synchronicity. Now let me jump ahead. I ultimately didn't get to see John and his family on this trip. There was an illness in the family, and we we postponed it. So anyway, I come back, and I have a meeting on Monday night, and I flew back during the day with one of my colleagues. And because I was tired, I decided to suggest that we meet at a local Chinese restaurant um, where that, that she and I had never been to together before. And I got there a little bit early, which is curious. And there's a Starbucks around the corner, and I noticed the biggest dog I had ever seen. Biggest dog I'd ever seen. Gigantic dog. And I love dogs. So I went up to this dog, and it was all wagging its tail and so on. And to make a long story short, it turns out this dog was owned by a woman who was a student at the University of Arizona. Her mother says to me, are you the Dr. Gary Schwartz who wrote the book, The Afterlife Experiments? Now you have to understand, most people don't know who I am. I certainly don't believe I said, well, yes. I said, why? I said, how do you know? She said, well, the CEO of Canyon Ranch happened to just give me your book. And she said, you know, I have a friend who um, has been wanting to contact you, but she's been afraid. But she has a story that's more amazing than any story in your book. I said, really? I said, listen. I said, Here, look, here's my cell phone number. If she wants to call me, have her please do. Tell her I'm safe. The next day, her friend calls me and tells me the most amazing story the most amazing story, which directly relates to the movie of Dragonfly. Very <laughs> briefly, very briefly, she, had a, um, she was having surgery, and um, she had an allergic reaction to the, to the anesthetic and almost died. But they were able to stabilize her, and then they decided to go ahead with the, with the surgery. The surgery apparently went okay, but something happened at the end of the surgery in the, in the amphitheater where the surgery took place that was very upsetting to some of the staff. And when she awoke, um, she was told that, that, that she had almost died, that everything was okay, and that she was told that, um, that something happened to the amphitheater, but there's no concern, and, her, and her, her healing would be fine. Meanwhile, she remembered that she had been out of her body. She had, she had what was called a near-death out-of-body experience. She also remembered that something strange, that she was aware of something strange in the amphitheater, but couldn't remember the details. A week later, she goes and happens to see the movie Dragonfly, and she sees these kids having near-death experiences and this communication in multiple kids about, about this deceased woman attached to this physician. She says, I wonder what happened. What happened in that amphitheater? So she goes and she goes back to the surgeon, and he tells her the following story, and I'm giving the brief version. She's lying down on the table. The surgery's over. over. There are five people in the room. They're all wearing surgical masks. All of a sudden, she sits up scans the room, points to one of them, and says, hello, um, I need to tell you something. There's a woman here. Her name is, I don't remember what I called her in the book. I'll, I'll call her Joan. I don't, not Joan. I'll call her Anna. I don't know what the, the name is not important. I mean, it's important to him, but not important to the, the story. And, she, and he says, she said, I want you to know, she's telling me, I want you to know that it's not your fault that she died. Mm. This man then breaks down into tears and goes running out of the room. She later learns that it turned out that this man had, had a wife. His wife was named Anna. She um, was dying from, uh, had a fatal disease. She was dying. She was severely depressed. She decided to take her own life. She cut her throat. He came in, found her bleeding, attempted to save her and couldn't. And he always felt guilty that happened to her. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, 
I was given a real-life account, because I verified this with, uh, with at least one of the people on the medical team. I'm now having a real-life account of a thing related to spirit, and how do I discover it? By being introduced to it by my deceased grandmother, adopted grandmother, <laughs> indirectly through a medium. The whole notion of if we're not opening to track the changes, if we're just going to dismiss them, we'll throw out the baby with the bathwater. We'll never make the discoveries. So we have to be willing to follow the data. That's a huge lesson that I've learned in this work. Follow the data. Wake up. Be aware. The sacred promise is an urgent call to action to not merely, not merely for us and our souls, for the larger spiritual reality and their souls. It is for our children and their children's children and their collective souls. It is about love of self and others in the past, present, and future. The Chinese proverb from the 6th century says, if we do not change direction, we'll end up where we're going. Einstein said something similar. No problem can be solved from the level of consciousness that created it. The book that we're talking about is The Sacred Promise. The amazing individual that is bringing forward so much valuable research is Dr. Gary Schwartz, and he is the author of God Experiments and the Afterlife Experiments, along with some additional books. I'd love for you to connect with him at drgaryschwartz.com. We'll be right back for a little bit more from Gary Schwartz. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Many of us make choices in our lives based on what others think. But what should really matter is making our life choices based on what we think and feel. By tuning in to Inspired Choices with Intuitive Life Coach Christine McIver, you'll receive the tools and inspiration you need to do just that. Your fears do not have to drive you, and you are naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. By believing in yourself, you can live the happy life you've been longing for. Listen for Inspired Choices every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. There is a lot more going on in religion and government than what high-ranking officials are telling you. The Bible uncovers the truth, prophecies, and a world of opportunities. Get the answers you need when you tune into the program To the Stars and Beyond with your hosts Michael List and Adam Hong. 
We'll explore the religious and spiritual beliefs from ancient history to the prophecies that are shaping the world and current events of today. To the Stars and Beyond airs live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave Network. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Dr. Gary Schwartz presents The Sacred Promise, an exploration into the world of spirits where more than just data and theories are offered, but actual evidence of an active and helpful spiritual world is revealed. Be it the deceased, angels, or spirit guides, these beings do exist and are reaching out to help us in our day-to-day lives. It's now our turn to be ready to accept the sacred promise to work with spirit to create a world that honors both our hearts and our minds. This is our chance to participate in the evolution toward happiness of all humanity. Are you ready? Are you open? Are you willing to collaborate and co-create? Are you willing to understand that spirits exist and that they can play an essential role in your individual and collective lives? Gary, a lot of people uh, do believe that there is spirit and that it is there to help us, and they do reach out and call out when they're in need for something. And you speak a lot about collaboration and us showing up, but how much of us... um, is required to show up because it's not just about being there and saying, okay, spirit, come help me. It seems as if there should be, we're required to do something. Yes, and that's been one of the huge lessons in this research. Laboratory research, which of course we haven't talked about here, which is also described in the book, as well as the laboratory of our personal lives. And I share a number of accounts, which I think you're referring to, in my personal life and others, which I've approached as a scientist, where it became very clear that um, it was more—it's it's more than just spirit being there and asking for assistance, but it's an active partnership where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. For example, in in chapter 15 of the book, I describe a, a woman who was on a journey, who was uh, working in my laboratory at the time, and um, we did a, an experiment. Um, to see what the relative contributions of her consciousness versus um, her, her, her spirit guides, her hypothesized spirit guides, versus their collaboration on the growing of seeds in a distant location under blinded conditions. And what would happen is, under, on, on, for certain periods of time, she would attempt to send her energy and intention to a specific uh, Areas where seeds were um, in, the, in, a, in, a, uh, in a in a in a distant laboratory environment. On on other trials, she would invite her spirit to affect the seeds. And on the third kind of trials, um, both she and her spirits would work collaboratively, collectively. And what the data showed was that when she did it by herself, there was a relatively small effect for her. When she invited her spirit guides by themselves, there was a 
there was, a, if you would, a moderate effect. But when she and her spirit guides worked collectively, there was the greatest effect. It was the teamwork. It was the partnership that produced the greatest effect, in this case, on her and their ability to assist in the growth, the, if you, you know, the, 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 the literally you know, the, the birthing of, the, the, of, the, of the, the sprouting of these seeds. And that same thing applies to not just when we send loving energy to others, but when we send loving energy um, to ourselves. And again, I give some examples in the book of actual healing instances where the combination for ourselves appears to be greater than either one alone. And, and by the way, I love that thought that, you know, spirit is here to assist us. There's a, there's a phrase, bidden or not bidden, God is present. I mean, you know, we are always fortunately breathing air. We don't have to make the air appear, and our lungs pretty much, you know, work voluntarily. But if we choose to learn how to breathe, to meditate and relax, we can bring in more air. And that increased learning how to breathe and remembering to breathe helps us physically. So we are collaborating with the resource. Well, and what you're talking about is in one stance she was by herself trying to do it. In the next stance she was associating with spirit guides, which means she was partially engaged. And then in the third place there was a much greater result because it was all a collaborative effort on all sides. And it seems to me that engagement illustrates not just the belief in spirit, but the belief in the worth of ourselves to be working with spirit that actually is part of the catalyst to cause the healing or to cause the the economic issue to be solved or whatever it is that we're dealing with. But there has to be a level of belief that we are worthy and we are part of that and we are uh, actually the divine energy itself in collaboration and with And that itself. we're needed to be part of the process and yeah. that it requires our active involvement. And, so, and, and you're, I couldn't agree with you more, and you said it so um, beautifully. Um, and that take-home message appears in, in various examples in the book, be it in a personal life stories or in actual laboratory experiments. Um, and again, this is part of the great promise, the sacred promise. That's why I carefully use the term. I say how science is discovering spirits collaboration with us, and by definition, us with them. And together we can solve problems that neither one of us can solve by ourselves. And that's part of the problem I think that the world is facing today is we're trying to do too much by ourselves or we're trying to take uh, control of, of, of things that perhaps if we just stepped back a little bit and said, I'm here, will you be here too, and allowed uh, a little bit more of the woo-woo to enter our lives, (laughs) that we might actually have a different result. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, it's funny. The word woo, which is W-O certainly, is is part of the word wonder. And if we don't have wonder and awe and appreciation and gratitude, if we can't celebrate, you know, literally the magic of distant communication, and here we are talking over over wireless as well as wired connections, making it possible for us to have this dialogue in real time. I don't even know physically where you are on the planet. Where are you right now? In South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina. <laughs> Charleston, South Carolina. I'm in Tucson, Arizona. I don't know where the person is who's actually running the show here in terms of the engineer, where he's located. But all of this is being coordinated and integrated. It's all made possible 
by fields and energies and that, that the fabric of the, of the universe in which we, we live. And if we can't celebrate that, and if we can't um, awaken to that, you know, 100 years ago there were no airplanes, and now we take flight for granted. The latest research that we're doing, and I talk about this in chapters 13 and 14 in the book, is literally using state-of-the-art technology to measure the presence of spirit, using devices, for example, that detect single photons of light. And although for many of us we say, oh, that's impossible, or we can't imagine that, remember 100 years ago or so, just around the time of the Wright brothers, how many of us could have imagined that literally every second there'd be a plane taking off or landing somewhere in the world, that 63 million people would fly, and that these planes would be extraordinarily safe, that we would have the World Wide Web on them and we would all take it for granted. Well, the future could be that our connection with spirit is going to be like everything. And we are having what I propose is a Wright Brothers moment in history. Absolutely. What if spirit is like air and water, readily available for us to draw within if we choose to seek it? Spirit is giving us light. It's giving us magic, play, synchronicity. Spirit is giving us the journey, but we have to step on the path. We have to be part of that journey, and we have to engage and collaborate and allow ourselves to show up and recognize the divinity that we are so that we create all of that energy together. We must become one with that which we are. My guest today is Dr. Gary Schwartz. You can connect with him at drgaryschwartz.com. The Sacred Promise is one of his many books that is just doing amazing things in the world. And if you have listened to this interview today, uh, you may be wherever you are. And that was a synchronistic event to let you hear this particular show at this particular time. The Sacred Promise, How Science is Discovering Spirit's Collaboration with Us in Our Daily Lives. Thank you, Gary, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I look forward to talking to you again. And I am Simran Singh. Until next time, be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Talk Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens. Shift happens.